Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to 1-2 Punch. Player 1, Shaquille Majui. Player 2, Andreas Tuhati Hale. Dealing with a bit of a sore throat here, but I'm pretty sure it's not the word I can't say uh, out of fear of getting demonetized here or <laughs> suppressed. Andreas, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? First of all, I appreciate you having me on. It's great to join and have some uh, fun talk because I love talking combat sports. Yes, and I promise we'll keep the conversation strictly on combat sports because after the past few days of being on Twitter, the conclusion I've come to is that uh, politics and combat sports are not something that I like mush together. The uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's interesting the way you can you can share one passion with a group of people and completely completely be so divided on other parts of life, but you know. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. What are we going to do? Anyway, so I'm not going to talk about that right now. There's plenty of time to talk about it before and after this show. Welcome, guys. If you're returning, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate your continued support. First-time listeners, this is 1-2 Punch. We operate on a win-lose-draw system. What that means is we're going to sign the week's biggest winners and losers before drawing up a little preview for UFC Vegas 13 this Saturday. So without further ado, let me hit this intro. And there we go. Quick reminder, guys, if you want to support the channel, help us grow. Always love and appreciate the support. Hit the subscribe button, tap the notification bell, leave a like on this comment. Uh, and most importantly, engage with us in the chat. We love to hear from you guys. We'll get to all your questions and comments. Uh, if you feel like donating to the Super Chat today, feeling a little extra uh, enticed considering all the craziness going on in the world, that would mean the world to us. Thank you very much. Enough of me jabbering trying to sell this channel let's get right to it do you have your beer good sir do i do we now he said corona and i'm very sad that i did not have time to go on so i gotta grab whatever's in the garage which unfortunately today is coarse but sorry about that man of course mm -mm. yeah you know what are you gonna do it is what it is okay let's get to it now we have all these people on the thumbnail for this video israel adesanya Paige van zandt robert whitaker but uh, today has been hectic for myself, and I can't imagine how hectic it's been for you. Huge news. Canelo Alvarez is officially a free agent. 
It was first stated by his manager. Subsequently, ESPN Deporte said that both Golden Boy and DAZN have released him from his contract. Uh, we knew that there was a lot of conflict happening within those parties regarding Canal Alvarez's future. How surprised were you that both Golden Boy and DAZN have let him go? It's tough, man, because it's a pandemic, right? And it's hard to pay somebody, you know, upwards of $35 million a fight uh, when there's no audience, there's really no pay-per-view and it's a subscription-based channel. And he wants to fight. The thing about Canelo is he wants to fight. So ultimately, this seems like the decision that made the most sense for all parties. It sucks for the zone. Uh, I, full disclaimer, I work for the zone. I'm the senior editor there. And it sucks because you'd like to see one of the biggest stars in boxing stay with the network. However... It kind of frees up opportunity here. Not, nobody has to worry about Canelo. And Canelo seems like he's in the best place uh, going the Miguel Cotto route, where he can just kind of go from promotion to promotion and book his own fights, basically. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's just, it's, it's wild news. Uh, you know, we knew coming down the pipeline that this was going to be a challenge. Uh, you know, listen, COVID messed up everything. And that's just kind of the way it is. But, you know, you got to move forward, man. There's still a lot of great fights on the slate. And, uh, There'll be no shortage of good fights. And Canelo, good for him. He's found his own way. Completely agree. Uh, and as members of the media, I know, uh, shout out to Luke Thomas, who spoke ad nauseum about the way combat sports athletes are suppressed, particularly MMA fighters, you know, kind of comparing and contrasting the situation over in boxing. But uh, I can't be mad anytime that a combat sports athlete is doing what they feel is best for their financial interest. And like you said, as a fan of the sport, anything that moves us closer to seeing Canelo Alvarez box again is a win not only for Canelo, but for ourselves. And, you know, to a degree, you would think all parties involved, because if they're not going to be able to do anything with him right now, what's the point? Exactly. And I mean, he's in his prime years. So, again, he wants to fight. He doesn't want to waste his prime years, you know, going through litigation and being stuck in a courtroom. He doesn't want to do that. So, Kudos to him. You know, he's got his freedom. Uh, the zone will move on. And he's still got a ton of great fights on the slate. And, uh, you know, as a combat sports fan, it is what it is, man. This this always happens. Things happen. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blahovich. That was announced as the next fight for both men. I think Jan said he was eyeing sometime around Marchish. It'll be a super fight at 2.05. Um, I hate this. I hate really? this, the burning passion. Well, now, first of all, shout out to both guys. But for me, and I'm never going to tell someone like Israel Adesanya, especially about what he should do for his business, the way he should go about securing his bag. And he's a big winner here because he's going to get that champ champ spot one step closer to the John Jones fight if he wants it. More eyeballs, more money should he beat Jan. But it kind of contradicts a lot of the narrative that Adesanya has placed for himself up until this point, which is, I want an Anderson Silva-esque legacy. I want to clear out my division. I want to leave no doubts that I'm the best in middleweight before moving up. And I know that he and Dana White had Jared Cannonier in mind, and Robert Whitaker won that fight. But, you know, if you want to make the case that Izzy, that Robert hasn't done enough to warrant another title shot, especially if you're Izzy, okay, fine, I get it. But there are still other people down that pipeline. Jack Hermanson is fighting Darren Till soon. If Jack Hermanson wins that, I think he has a very strong claim for the title. And over at light heavyweight, like you had Tiago Santos versus Glover Teixeira coming up. And that was supposed to be a number one contenders fight. And now it won't be. And we're going to get to those guys because unfortunately they're all my losers. But 
let's first dissect about why this is so big for Izzy and for Jan. Um, what do you think ultimately sort of turned Izzy towards this fight instead of continuing down at middleweight? Kenny near losing, I think flat out, because he's essentially cleared out the division on the way to the top. If you look at guys like Conor McGregor, there was a lot of unfinished business at 45 um, that he could have taken care of. And everybody always focuses on Frankie Edgar, for instance, before he went over to lightweight. In Adesanya's case, he's kind of gone through everybody he's needed to go through. And the people that he, he has beaten has beaten who's left. Yoma Romero's been beat. Whitaker's been beat. Uh, and you keep going down the list of names. Who's left? Cannoneer just pretty much got handled by Whitaker. And I'm not intrigued in seeing a rematch. I think that the Whitaker-Adesanya fight ends the exact same way that it happened the first time, maybe even faster. So this is kind of what he had to do. On top of that, Jan Blahovich was beating basically blown up middleweights as a light heavyweight. Yeah. And if you look at this kind of fight, uh, I say this about Adesanya all the time. If you don't have great wrestling credentials and use them and deploy them, you have no shot against Adesanya. Whitaker didn't have those credentials. The reason why Gaslam had that, it was the threat of a takedown. That's the only thing that threw Adesanya off balance. I don't think Blahovich has that. And I think this is an easier path for Adesanya to be a champ champ. On top of that, he's trolling John Jones, man. That's, that's the bigger thing. He's just trolling John Jones. And who doesn't want to stick a needle in his back? This is, uh, as viewers of this show will know, I have been complaining and complaining about the never-ending child, you know, like grade school banter between Israel Adesanya and John Jones. Like, I'm all for the, listen, I'm a pro wrestling diehard. I am all for the trash talk when it's leading somewhere. And so this fight being booked, uh, to your point, I finally have a little bit more intrigue in the Adesanya-Jones beef because... We're getting somewhere with it. Um, it was starting to get stagnant for a while, but I find myself more and more invested in whatever it is Izzy has to say about Jones and vice versa. Same here. And I think on top of that, there, when I say trolling, um, uh, full disclaimer, I'm on the rankings committee of the UFC. And if Adesanya were to beat Jan, I can see him leapfrogging John Jones in the current pound for pound rankings. And you know how much that would piss John Jones off? <laughs> Everything that Adesanya is doing at this point is actually finding a way to stick it to John Jones. It's not like we're in two different weight classes. It, this is, I'm finding ways to one-up you now in a much quicker time. Now, listen, John Jones may end his career as the greatest MMA fighter of all time. But right now, what Adesanya is doing is he's baiting John Jones into a fight. And I think if he beats Blahovich, if John hasn't completely blown up as a heavyweight, he's going to have to come back down or else he just looks like a goof as much as John continues to talk. So, yeah, all signs, this is what Adesanya had to do. I feel sorry for everybody else at middleweight, but maybe he comes back because Adesanya's not a big middleweight to begin with. So at light heavyweight, he's, he's going to be kind of solid. Maybe he comes back down. Who knows? So uh, that's a good point that you make there that I want to touch on. Uh, there was one narrative into the whole Izzy John Jones saga is that one reason Izzy didn't want to move up at the time is that he was still developing his MMA skills. He wanted to make sure that he was in, in peak condition before taking on a John Jones fight. Meanwhile, John Jones is slowly, you know, very slowly aging out of that division and out of the sport. And so it would benefit John Jones to take that fight sooner rather than later. What do you think changed now that Izzy seems prepared to take that fight? Do you think he just maybe thinks that he's truly in the form that he needs to be because his last two fights would indicate that he's a world beater. Yeah, I think that, I think that's exactly that. I mean, beating Paulo Costa the way that he did was incredibly one-sided fight. 
Um, Adesanya, I know, had been concerned about his takedown defense before and on the ground. So something between those fights says, if these fools can't take me down, they can't beat me. So, and again, you look at light heavyweight. You look at the landscape right now with Jan demolishing Dominic Reyes. And I think Adesanya looks at this like, this is an easy path to a title shot. You know, when John was there, you had to kind of work your way up. But now he's right in prime position to challenge for the title. So everything changed. Like, this man's advancement over the past few years has been incredible. And I know a lot of people like to compare him to Conor McGregor, but I, I, I like to say that Izzy did the harder way. Like, he fought all the toughest guys at middleweight. Like, seriously, who's left for him to fight? He, this is the right move. I, I can see the comfort level in him now where – the game is slowed down for him. Each mm-hmm. fight is a little bit slower, and it's like the matrix where he just picks guys apart. Let's go to the uh, live stream chat for a moment. First, Max Elkakuli Holloway says, I hate this two shack, especially if Glover wins on Saturday. He's speaking, of course, to where this leaves the light heavyweight contenders. And we'll, we'll get to that more on the loser section of the show. And uh, Joseph Boza says, Izzy, uh, with Izzy versus Jan, if it happens, could this be cause? Could this be because Dana was desperate for coaches for the Ultimate Fighter 30? Where are you sort of leaning, Andreas, in terms of who the Ultimate Fighter coaches will be? Man, I don't have a clue. Like, I've been sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, who is intriguing? Because I don't care about the Ultimate Fighter anymore. The the product is stale. It it all depends on the coaches and who's got enough fire between them. It'd have to be like like Masvidal and Covington. Those are the only two people that I can see that's... That, that's where you have to go with this. Otherwise, everybody else, I, I can't see John Jones and Adesanya coaching on the Ultimate Fighter. No. Do you think Izzy's the sort of guy, though, that is entertaining and charismatic enough that he can make it an interesting season, no matter how, like, stone-faced the opposite coach is? Yes. Yeah, yes. I if if so. uh, you've ever spent some time with Adesanya, just talk about anime or video games or hip-hop or just everything he does connects to the young audience mm-hmm. but he's still you know people forget he's this man's 30 31 but you know he's very childlike and he's, he's very easy to relate to and if you put that man on television you know all of the i mean he's he's basically a tick, a living tiktok star yeah. so this is this is an easy sell i don't know who would be opposite it would make sense but who cares um but I, yeah i just don't know about us wants to spend all that time in the ultimate fighter house yeah, one, uh, I, man, I would love to, I've, you know, I've had phoners here and there with Izzy, but I'd love to sit down and just shoot the shit about any, everything not related to combat sports. In fact, I've been meaning to reach out to his management. Uh, I, I, I'm putting together a list of like 10 UFC fighters and their Naruto counterparts, and I want to see if, the, if the, his team would be willing to just pass the list on to him to get some of his input on it. I think it would be something he might have some fun with. Um, I, I wonder who Izzy thinks he is, because I know he's really into Rock Lee, but in terms of, like, personality, Izzy is infinitely more charismatic than, like, 95% of anime characters. And anyway, that's a conversation for a different day. And then back to Joseph, he says, Izzy and Jan within uh, the months should have their contenders in their own division, Glover and Tiago for Jan, January and Hermanson versus Till. Uh, December 5th for Izzy. Okay, so what Joseph is basically saying is that if Izzy and Jan are healthy, there is enough time for them to fight potential challengers and still do something in early to mid-2020 or 2021. Uh, At this point, do you have any interest in seeing how the picture at middleweight and light heavyweight develops, or do you just want to keep those guys to do that super fight whenever it is they're ready? Middleweight, no. 
Light heavyweight, yes. Okay. I feel terrible for Tiago and Glover. Me too. It's, this sucks for them because I think, again, I like Jan. I don't want to discredit him. His run has been incredible, but he's got a lot of unfinished business at light heavyweight. Yeah. There are a ton of, um, you know, outstanding competition there waiting for him. Asanya on the other hand, has nothing else to do. So I think it's really Adesanya pushing the narrative more than Jan possibly can. He just has, happens to be, in my opinion, the speed bump to, for Adesanya just to get over. Fair enough. And we're going to touch on those more later on in the show. Uh, let's move on. Paige Van Zant, according to BKFC president David Feldman, is looking at a Super Bowl weekend bare-knuckle fight. I know a lot of people were kind of down on the idea of Paige Van Zant moving on to bare-knuckle. I'm kind of like, I don't mind personally. Like, you know, go get your bag however you want. Um, is Paige Van Zant the future of BKFC? Is this the person that they need to further legitimize their company? Because they've had a pretty decent run, all things considered. She's a component. Um, I don't know how Paige fares in BKFC. Like, if she gets dragged in her first fight, I, I have no idea what this does for her. Um, BKFC needs Paige more than Paige needs BKFC. Mm -hmm. That's obvious. And I think that she can bring a lot of eyeballs and attention to the sport. I just don't think BKFC fighters have a tremendously long shelf life. So how long can she be there to bring the sport to prominence Whereas maybe, you know, she takes a bad beating, has to get some plastic surgery. Um, and that's not because she's a beautiful woman or anything like that. It's just that's what these fighters do. This is, they take insurmountable damage. And then when do you check out and say, I don't want to do this anymore? So it's tough, man. I, I'm, I'm of the ill where when she signed, I was like, really? Like, you didn't have any friends? And we're like, nah, you shouldn't do this. But she's a competitor. If you know Paige, she likes to fight. Exactly. So I, 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 kudos to her for, for doing this. It would have been would have been my path. I'm sure our parents aren't too happy about this, but get your bag however you can. Yeah, uh, it, it speaks volumes to uh, a, a, a segment of men in MMA that you even had to give. You even had to note that you're talking about Paige's surgery because of damage, not because she's yeah. a, you know, whatever it is guys want to say about her on the internet. But you know, that, that that's kind of the same in every industry. I don't know why I'm singling out just weirdos in MMA. There's a lot of weirdos in MMA. A lot of weirdos in MMA. Man, shout out to... I don't want to give the random dude any attention, but uh, my managing editor, Sean Ross Sapp, some guy went on the hunt and sent his wife a message complaining about Sean. Like, do people not have better things to do in their spare time than hunt? Like, I, I keep my girlfriend off. I, I'm sure if you want to find her, you can find her super easily, and I talk about her a lot, but, but I intentionally don't post too much of my personal life on social media. And this was even before I started covering sports. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. Look, I have a daughter and I have a wife and you'll never see pictures of my daughter ever. Mm -hmm. And if anybody follows me on Twitter, like I am that person who combines like combat sports, politics, social issues. Mm -hmm. this, this is just who I am. And the, the mentions that I get from MMA fans or from boxing fans, like I worked in the music industry for a long time, the things that I get are unbelievably cruel. So I'm, you know, I'm in a fortunate position where, like, my, my wife, honestly, she doesn't give a damn about social media. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I won't, I, I won't post my daughter. I will not post my daughter. She's like, well, well, I want to see a picture of her. Come to my house. Like that's yeah. that's how you're gonna see my four year. I gotta protect her from this world. Well, I like the I like these parallels here because uh, my background was in entertainment as well. I still I still work in entertainment. Uh, before I got into MMA, uh, WWE, hip hop. I feel like we could do a whole show that had nothing to do with mixed oh, martial yeah. arts and enjoy it. We absolutely could. Yes. I mean, come on, man. Have you see my shirt today? I uh, know. It's, cool. it's like on the bottom of my screen. 
Yeah, man, I got, got the new day and uh, throwing up the fist, man. It's, everything's a political statement for me. Yes, sir. And uh, actually, you wouldn't know this, but on the we have a two-shot here and a one-shot, and the one-shot has some facts about you, including the New Day podcast. Uh, yeah. Like, that's super cool. Those are my guys, man. I'm so happy to do that. I mean, obviously, you don't want to do a podcast about, you know, George Floyd passing and racial injustice, but, you know, Biggie called me and was like, can you do this with us? And, yeah, it was an emotional show. Love those guys, though. Yeah, I needed to be Hate done. that they broke up, man. I know I know this is a combat sports show, but damn it. Hey, <laughs> like, hey, they I'm up? sure a lot of the fightful MMA community is also on the pro wrestling side. That's where they hop over from. So there's plenty of crossover. Don't worry about it. I, no. You know what? On the plus side, though, good things in Biggie's future. Kofi and Xavier are doing great, it seems, as of right now. So at least everyone's still uh, on the right path. Okay, Paige Van Zandt. Sorry, this this, this shitty course <laughs> has got me off the beaten path. Um completely agree i think they're gonna give her gimme fights like there seems to be i would i cannot imagine not to say she's not gonna go out there and still take damage because that's the nature of bare knuckle but i can't imagine that they have anyone on their roster who would get enough of a rub off of beating Paige van zandt to make assuming because Paige signed a multi-fight deal right I don't suspect that there's anyone in that promotion that would benefit enough from beating Paige Van Zandt to make it worth it to not have Paige as your give her a gimme fight Super Bowl weekend. She's going to get a ton of press, put in a really good performance. I think it'd be a huge misstep if they gave her anything close to a genuine competitive fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, in pro wrestling terms, they should give her a jobber and have a squash match. Yeah, so this is you need an enhancement yeah. talent there. Yeah, I mean. Listen, man, I, I know people like to see competitive fights. Me too. But for BKFC, which is a, a company that is struggling to get a hold in a very crowded space, if you're going to have Paige Van Zandt, you can't book her tougher. You just can't. It's bad booking. And uh, as we wrap up on the winner's end, let's briefly touch on Corey Anderson. Makes his Bellator debut on Thursday. Bellator 251 main event. Beats Melvin Manhoff, uh, as he should have. Second round TKO. Some people were saying this was great. This is the sort of uh, victory Corey Anderson needed in his Bellator debut. Others were saying it took you like seven minutes to beat Melvin Manhoff. Where do you sort of <laughs> fall on the line of what sort of showing this was for Corey? It's right in the middle because they're absolutely like he needed this as a confidence booster and he needed to come to Bellator with some kind of momentum. Um, Melvin Manhoff, though, yeah, probably was five minutes too long. So either way, it's it's good for him. And I think a lot of us will forget as time goes on if he can continue to win fights. I think it's more of a confidence and ego boost and more than anything else. Uh, we can't put a lot of stock in that performance in terms of, oh, it should have you know, been faster. But Bellator needs, when they get these guys in, like they need to look good and they need to win. Bellator has had a problem bringing in guys from the UFC and other promotions, mm -hmm. and then they lose, and you're like, well, damn. Like, now what do you do? Yeah, where, where do you think the deem net where do you think Corey anderson sort of fits in the title picture obviously what would make the most sense for him i think is the fight against vadim nemkov i know phil davis was mentioned in there i guess but let's just focus on Corey and vadim right now what you've seen from vadim nemkov and i know it's always sort of hard to match up guys from different promotions do you think Corey anderson goes in there as the favorite no no agreed i like Corey anderson but i think vadim nemkov i don't think we truly scratched the surface of his potential he yeah, he beat Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader looked kind of drained, kind of dry. But he still beat him. Very badly. Very badly. <laughs> and you look at the rest of that division, and especially in Bellator, 
um, his striking. Like, he's got all the tools to be excellent. And I think a, a fight with Corey Anderson, name recognition alone would lead people to think, well, he should be the favorite. No, but Dean Nebkov is the real deal. And he, I think right now, he punishes Corey Anderson. Mm -hmm. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Okay, now before we move on to the loser section of this show, if any fighters are watching this, we're not calling you losers. It's okay. Don't have to be so sensitive <laughs> about it. I've, I've gotten a message before being like, hey, are you worried about this? I'm like, you're going to get in this industry and upset people one way or the other. And I'm like the most, I'm the most mild, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inoffensive media member. Like my, our Fightful MMA channel has turned into 80% or will be turning into 80% UFC fighter reacts to. It's okay, guys. You, you are the toughest fighters on the planet. Nothing but respect for you. There's my statement. Engage in the live chat, guys. Leave a super chat donation. Subscribe. Hit the like button. Losers, losers, losers. I've only got one, person, one group of people I really want to focus on, and we've touched on it throughout the show. Light heavyweight. What a shame for Glover and Tiago Santos. Um... There are a lot of moving parts to why this fight was made. You know, it seems like Israel Desanya has a lot of leverage in terms of how he wants to book his fights. Jan Blahovich, new champion, like you've said, still a little unproven in terms of how high his ceiling is right now. You would imagine the UFC is sort of hedging their bets here that Israel Desanya is going to be a two-division champion because I don't know if, should Jan win that fight, I don't know if it would have been, if the juice was worth the squeeze. Uh, if you could have sort of rebooked this entire picture, is there anything you would have done differently to sort of uh, give the guys at light heavyweight a little more of an opportunity first? Yeah, they wouldn't have fought this weekend. Yeah. For starters, because, I mean, you go... I can only imagine thinking and training and preparing for a fight that will lead you to a light heavyweight title opportunity, and then the fight week, the week that you're cutting weight and you're miserable, you get a message like, oh, yeah, guys not you. It doesn't even matter who wins anymore. Mm -hmm. They're fighting for pride now. So the timing of this stinks. That's ultimately what it is. The timing of this stinks. I, I don't know how else you could have booked it. Maybe you wait until the results of this fight and then you try to make a decision afterward. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But you're gonna you're gonna rub people in the light heavyweight division the wrong way any way you try to do this. I don't think there's any really safe way to not upset the apple cart of that 205 division. How long do you think this is gonna put middleweight and light heavyweight uh, in limbo for? Because I think with middleweight, I, I still believe that there were fights you could have made. I think a guy I I'm not super interested in seeing a Robert Whitaker fight, but I feel like coming off of the Darren Till and Jared Cannonier wins and his 
lengthy reign in the division, I feel like he had some sort of justification there. And Dana wanted it too. I think should Jack Hermanson beat Darren Till, Jack Hermanson would have done enough. I know he lost to Jared Cannonier, but otherwise, first round submission of Kelvin Gastelum, handedly beat Jacare Souza. I, I think you could have made a case for Jack Hermanson. Uh, and even Darren Till, I, that would have probably been the hardest one to justify if Darren Till wins their upcoming fight night. But Izzy and Darren Till have been talking about each other so much. I think you could have just made that fight on uh, trash talk alone. Like, I think that would have been such a fun buildup. And like we said at Light Heavyweight, there's a, a whole roster of guys that are getting booted out of spots that they deserve. Um, if Izzy wins the Light Heavyweight title... Will he defend both like Amanda Nunes will? Is he going to drop one? And which one would you like to see him drop? Because I feel like in this time, you make Robert Whitaker versus Jack Hermanson should Jack Hermanson win. And then you have a definite, undeniable number one contender back in middleweight. Yeah, I mean, you know what we're going to do here, right? Interim titles, it's not my favorite thing. But it's going. It's bound to happen. Yeah. Like, that's how we're going to do this. I can't see Adesanya winning the 205 title than dropping it. I would see him defending both, but it's bait to get John Jones. There's no way in hell he's dropping, losing that 205 title. He would vacate the middleweight title before that. But I think the competitor in him says, listen, guys, I fought four times a year before. I can fight at middleweight and defend that title while I wait mm -hmm. for John Jones. And even if he looks at the landscape of the middleweight division, he's confident enough to look at the, the possibilities to say, yeah, I could probably knock one of those guys out in one or two rounds. Doesn't mean he'll do it, but I think his confidence will say, I can drop back down to 85 and I can get the job done and come back up to 205. Kind of similar to what Anderson Silva did, except he's not beating up with James Irvin. You know, he's actually going to get some legit competition at, at 205. So I think he holds on to both titles, and I think we name an interim middleweight champion. Could you imagine? And this would require a lot. And I, I, I'm sure the UFC has thought this through. Uh, it would require a lot because I think even if John Jones loses at heavyweight, you would still insert him immediately into a light heavyweight title shot. Um, but could you imagine a scenario where? Middleweight and light heavyweight champion Israel Desanya is defending his light heavyweight title against heavyweight champion John Jones. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be absurd. I mean, this is boxing stuff right here, right? Like in <laughs> boxing, you know, you got like Leo Santa Cruz and Javante Davis fought for two different weight division titles in one fight, which is absurd. But you can do this in boxing. In MMA, we haven't ne not necessarily seen that yet. But I could see this happening where the middleweight champion is fighting the heavyweight champion on some Rory Jones and John Ruiz nonsense. But, hey, look, the UFC's got to pay some bills here. And uh, it, that's a massive, massive fight. I live in Vegas. I wouldn't mind seeing that Allegiant Stadium. And so on the note of touching bills, Joe Sabosa chimes in. Does Jan versus Izzy feel like they are desperate for main events because fighters like Connor won't fight unless there's a crowd? He also uh, mentions tough again. Uh, is any of this sort of a desperation move because they need pay-per-view buys right now? See, I would say yes, except for Davidson Figueredo is headlining a pay-per-view, and that's absurd to me. Um, and not no disrespect to Figueredo, but if they were desperate, he wouldn't be headlining, right? He and, and you know uh, Valentina Shevchenko in the co-main event about to murder Maya. It's not it's not something that begs for pay-per-view. So I don't think they're desperate but I think they recognize what they have with Adesanya now and they need to take advantage of this rocket ship before it takes off. One thing they don't want to have happen is for him to go rogue like Conor McGregor eventually did. So as long as he's willing to play ball, you book him in the fights that he wants and you can justify it because I don't think anybody's really arguing with his credentials at this point. All right. Agreed. Uh, let's head over to the you know last 15 minutes of the show. We're going to move on to the UFC Vegas 13 preview before we do. <laughs> 
<laughs> Matt Stevens in the live chat says, has Shaquille ever thrown a punch in his life? What do you think? LOL. Wow, I, I feel like I should be offended, but that's fucking hilarious. Uh, Andreas, I'm going to let you answer this question. Do you think I have ever thrown a punch in my life? Do you ever think I've thrown a good punch in my life? That's good. Yes. Yes? I don't think so. I mean, Shit. like, I haven't gotten into a fight since I was, like, in the 12th grade, and I definitely did not know how to throw a punch then. And I've taken some, I've taken, like, a dozen or so boxing classes, so I feel like I could throw a better punch than someone who's never thrown a punch. But I wouldn't set my, the bar very high, but I got a good darts choke. So... Uh, I I could definitely dart. I could definitely choke a fool out, but I don't think I could throw a very strong punch. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I tried. I tried, man. I I didn't want to throw you under the bus here. So no, it's all good. Just... Listen, man. This is you know. Remember when you, uh, UFC president Dana White said that basically like everyone in the media were in in MMA media were losers who wishes they were fighters. I had so many of my colleagues so butt hurt. And here's the thing: people don't know this. I don't know what impression they have of MMA media. A lot of people in the industry train some sort of discipline. Um, and I had some colleagues being so butthurt. I'm like, why are you guys letting this bother to you? Like, I like to think of myself as relatively humble in some ways. I was having this conversation because someone mentioned, uh, you know, was like roasting me on Twitter. I have done things in my professional and personal life that most of these like gutter troll MMA fans would only dream of. But that's my personal life, my professional life. You don't need to know about it. Um, and I'll, Matt Stevens says, respect, respect back. I don't need to lie. I've, I, you know, <laughs> I have some confidence. I, I'm, I can throw, I can throw, a, I can throw up a jab and a straight. But under pressure, I'm sure I would freak the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What about? Do you have any uh, back, combat sports or regular sports background yourself? No, I mean I tried to train when I was younger, and then I got older and got too busy, and, and like. I've been in my fair share of fights growing up, and uh, I'm at the age now where it's like I'm too old for this shit. So right. you know, you know, I'm not fighting anybody. I'll, I'll go pay somebody to do that for me. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, I fortunately grew up in a relatively uh, privileged part of town, and so uh, the fights were few and far between. Um, <laughs> but I used to be a huge crybaby, so you know, there's still weird things that'll set me off. It's like if you want to disrespect me or my family, I don't particularly care. But like if I break a Tupperware. It had like lunch in it. Sob story. <laughs> <laughs> we, oh, yeah, we called the great spaghetti spaghetti incident of 2020 in my house. It wow. was uh, it was a rough day. Okay, that's enough of my babbling. Let's head up this preview. Um, and we touched a lot of, on it throughout the show because this whole Izzy Yon thing has kind of permeated through so many divisions. In light of the news that those two guys will be fighting. What are Tiago Santos and Glover Teixeira fighting for this weekend? Next? <laughs> they're fighting for the on-deck circle, I guess, because they're not going to be next. It's kind of fighting for the on-deck circle, but the kind of thing that sucks about it is whoever wins, you don't, they're not getting paid enough to just sit down and wait for this division to clear up. They're going to need to fight again. So, And how long could it take, right? If, you're, if we're talking about not just Izzy and Jan, but then Izzy and John Jones, like you could be looking... At 2022 before either of these guys actually get their title shot yeah so it's like you know then you have dominic reyes just kind of sitting there like damn i was i just thought i beat john jones what do i what am i doing here so it's like i don't know i, I honestly don't know man it's you're fighting for pride in the performance of the night bonus because you're not fighting for a title opportunity at this point 
Yeah, agreed. And uh, looking down the UFC Vegas 13 main card and preliminary card, is there anyone that stands out to you in terms of the next big thing? Because I think there are actually quite a few guys on the card who have potential in a high ceiling. No. <laughs> like, in terms of the next big thing, no. Like, this is a very solid card, which should yield some great action. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what Claudia Gadelia has left, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, Andre Arlovsky, every time he fights, I'm like, still? Um, but last year we are, he's in the co-main event. So there's a, there's a lot of talent that we're going to see, and I think we'll have a chance to establish themselves. But I don't think there's anybody here that jumps off the page that I'm like, yeah, that person's next. I think after the card, we'll find somebody and be like, there yeah. we go. But right now, there's nobody that just jumps off the page like must-watch TV okay. at the very, this very moment. I'll, I'll give a few shout-outs. Um, as a Canadian, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Andre Arlovsky's opponent, Tanner Bozer. Uh, with his uh, terrific missing teeth, uh, head over to Fightful.com or Fightful MMA, guys. Uh, we did a story on Tanner Bozer. He was hiking a mountain with his brother and some friends, and his brother fell 100 feet down the side of a mountain, and they swore he was dead. Unconscious, ankle twisted the wrong way. Uh, Tanner says you could put your fingers through the underside of his knee up through his kneecap. Uh, and then they... The brother had to climb back up the face of the mountain, three mountain peaks over, and then collapse once they got to his truck. So that's a that's an insane story. Yeah. Needless to say, I don't think Andre Olovsky is going to have anything for him compared to near watching your brother plummet down the side of a mountain. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. You, you, it's crazy. You get the craziest stories when you stop asking fighters. Uh, what their game plan is for this weekend. Dude, listen, <laughs> I've covered this sport for well over a decade. And the people that I've covered in this sport, like the best conversations I have is when we're not talking about fighting. Yep. And I think I don't want to just go on this tirade about how Dana White doesn't necessarily know how to market his fighters, but you look at, he doesn't, but um, you look at people like Demetrius Johnson, who's a super gamer. I, and I we've had convers- this conversation with someone like a week ago. Like, how do you miss this bus? Yeah. Like, how? I don't understand. Because when you, if you ever talk to Demetrius Johnson about gaming, it opens up a whole new world mm-hmm. of conversation. Um, when you talk to guys like Aljamain Sterling about, you know, music and hip hop, it opens up a whole new world. Like, he's got a great Floyd Mayweather story that people have eventually heard now, how he almost choked, tried to choke out Floyd Mayweather at the Vegas pool for him trying to holler at his girl years ago. But it's like, when you talk to people about being people and not just being fighters, mm-hmm. because if I, listen, if I was a fighter and you asked me about my training camp, I'd always tell you it's the worst training camp ever. I'd always tell you that I'm out of shape. I'm always telling you that I'm eating pizza before a fight because I don't care. Like, what does this all really mean? Who is ever going to say I've had a bad training camp? But if you tap into, if you know that they like Seinfeld and we start talking about some old Seinfeld jokes, mm-hmm. you open up a whole new world and that's how you get fans. You get fans, not because of the fight, but because of the fight tour. And I think the UFC has a big problem of marketing their fighters in other areas of just being one-man wrecking machines. they got to cut that out. I agree. It's, it, I always make the comparison of the WWE Attitude Era where no matter if you were in the main event or you were being dropped out on the first match of the night, you had a writer assigned to you to try and help you develop some sort of character. Like I'm not saying that every fighter needs to be marketed as the next Conor McGregor or John Jones, but... 
there are enough you cannot fight for a living and not have some interesting quality to you personally and, and yeah. i wish the ufc would make a better effort to find small ways to market people up and down the entire card yeah, I mean, there are a ton of opportunities. Fighters have great personalities. Not all of them. Some of them suck. Let's just be honest. Some of them just boring as hell. You, you, you. Every, every report. Luke Thomas will tell you this. Brian Campbell will tell you this. I'm sure Ariel Hawani will tell you this. I'm sure you will tell me this. Every reporter thinks that they're the one who can get a good interview out of everyone until you meet a Fedor. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's just certain fighters that I'm at. I'm at the part of my career now where I'll be like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, there'll be certain, they'll be like, hey, we have this opportunity to talk to, like, a Fedor type. And I'm like, that's okay. Because what am I doing here? I'll just give it to a, a young writer who really wants to do something. Yeah. Like, good luck with that, bro, because I can't do it. But that being said, there's all there's a ton of fighters on the undercard who have great stories. Sure. All you got to do is talk to them. They, they want to talk about things other than punching people in the face. because They do that all day. Yes, sir. And, okay, I'll give you a few more quick shout-outs. Uh, <clears throat> Ian Heinish. Speaking of things to talk about, I had a great conversation with Ian Heinish on prison reform. In fact, uh, you know, for people who may not be familiar, Ian Heinish was uh, convicted of some, of some sort of crime in the U.S., ended up uh, r- running across the border to Canada, was living in my uh, province for a while, and then ended up, I, I don't know the story, but somewhere I want to say in like South America, perhaps, and uh, ended up spending time in prison there. If you want to talk to him about prison reform, man, does he have some really, really great takes. Uh, Claude, and that's someone who we've kind of been, you know, he lost to Derek Brunson, but up until then, heading into UFC 240, I think it was, he was marked as the guy to beat Derek Brunson and make his way up the ladder. So a good chance for him to keep his train going. Brendan Allen, another guy who uh, people are hot on. Claudia Gajalia, as you said, uh, coming off of that. Controversial win against Angela Hill. And then also, Jiga Chigadze is on this card. Um, and oh, yes. Yes. he's one yes. to watch for sure. So there's, there, it's, it's sneaky. It's sneaky. It's a sneaky card. I'll give him that. All right. Uh, we got five minutes left. Do you have an embarrassing story? Has anything popped into your head? There's no pressure. Now you put pressure on me, man. I'm trying to think. Of something that, that was like really embarrassing. I know I know I've asked stupid questions before. I know I've done dumb things. I'm trying to think, man. Like I've been through a lot in my little combat sports career. I remember when I used to cover the Floyd Mayweather fights. They used to always think because newsflash, not a lot of black people that cover boxing and MMA. Um, but every time I go to the gym, they'd be like, "There's no training today. The gym's closed." And I'm like, "Yo, I'm like, I'm not a fighter." They're like, yeah, right. You're just trying to get too close to Floyd Mayweather. Like, no, I'm a writer. And I used to have to prove myself all the time. And, you know, I almost got into it with the wall, those the, the big guys that were at Floyd's gym, yeah. until Floyd came out because me and Floyd kind of grew up around each other in Vegas. He's older than me. But uh, he was like, no, 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 he's cool. And, yeah, I almost got into it with the wall. That wouldn't end up well. I probably wouldn't be speaking today if I had to deal with those guys. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I, uh, I've been watching this election closely for no other reason than the fact that I'm Canadian born, but of Iranian heritage. So my ability to get in and out of the U.S. on a frequent basis is complicated enough as it is. <laughs> I um, can imagine. Okay, then on that note, I would lo- we talked about it off the air. I'd love it if you could uh, tell me a little bit about that uh, boxing fight that you attended with Musa, Schoolboy Q, and J-Rock of uh, TDE, Top Dog Entertainment. For those unfamiliar, that's... Uh, the label that brought up Kendrick Lamar that he's still with. Uh, like, that's funny. I really like that story. Yeah, so there, I posted a picture recently. Uh, 
Last year, Canelo Kovalev, back when we can go outside and play and not get COVID, um, it's a picture of me, schoolboy Q, J-Rock, and Musa at the Canelo Kovalev fight. Um, and a lot of people don't know this, like schoolboy Q was like a huge boxing MMA fan. His favorite boxer is Canelo. His favorite fighter is John Jones. He's got Dan White on speed dial. Um, and they happened to be in town and wanted to go to the fight, and I've known them for years, so I guess I'll give the background. I used to work at BET. I uh, was the executive editor of music there. And this is 2000, I'm dating myself, 2009. So it was like the blog era and Kendrick Lamar hadn't even come into the frame yet. Um, there's a rapper by the name of J-Rock who had a song with Lil Wayne and Top Dog, whose name was Dude Dog back in the day. I had a meeting at my office with him about his new artist, J-Rock. And uh, we came in, he played some music for me. I really liked it. He kept telling me about my, my little brother named K-Dot. And I was like, who the hell is K-Dot? And they'll be in Kendrick Lamar but it played me, gave me a bunch of his music. Um, and we were just talking and Top Dog looks over on my, my shelf and he says, uh, what's that? And it's a, it's a towel of De La Hoya versus, versus Pacquiao and I happened to be at that fight. And I was like, yo, I was at that fight. He's like, for real? He's like, yeah. And then we spent the next two hours talking about boxing in like a music meeting. And little did I know, Kendrick Lamar would become who he was, mm -hmm. Boy Q would become who he was. So as years pass, we've always kept in touch. I did a documentary. I used to work for Jay-Z for his Life and Times website. I did a documentary on TV. And um, we always talk boxing. There's a big fight coming up. We talk boxing. We talk Adrian Broner. We talk MMA. We talk John Jones. So Q happened to be in Vegas for a concert. And the Canelo Kovalev fight was happening. And I said, um, hey, yo, what are you doing? He was like, dog, Canelo's my favorite fighter. Can you get me tickets? I had to get him tickets. And I, how many tickets do you need? Four. I, was like, yeah, I don't know if I can get four tickets. You know, Kovalev, let me see what I could do. Um, and not because of who he was, it's because I worked for The Zone, for those claimers, a bunch of white people who don't necessarily know who all these rappers are. <laughs> but I get them tickets. Uh, Q, Musa, J-Rock, and I think Schoolboy Q is a bodyguard. When I, the fourth ticket's for J-Rock. And one of our talent coordinators says, who the hell is J-Rock? So I'm, bringing, I'm walking them into the building. And, and as we're walking in, uh, we're taking pictures and all this other stuff. And I mean, I'm trying to get out of the picture. This, this is not my bag. I'm not trying, I'm trying to get out. But as they go to sit down, uh, our talent coordinator is like putting the camera on. I'm like, like, make sure you get them in the shot. Get, you know, do a lower third with Schoolboy Q and J-Rock. She's like, who the hell is J-Rock? As she asked this question, when is playing in the arena? When, 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 when? If everything else. And I'm looking at J-Rock and J-Rock's looking at me. And Q just starts laughing. And I'm like, I won't say her name. She no longer works for the zone. I'm like, that's his song. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, what do you need? You want to get something, blah, 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 blah. So then, you know, our others are like, oh, you guys take a picture for the zone. And now they like all got warmed up to it. It's like, that's the song. And yeah, that's the origins of that picture. Funny story. Me and Musa, before the Ryan Garcia fight that night, Musa was like, let's go to the bar and get some drinks. I'm at work. I'm like, yo, I can't drink. I'm going to follow you to the bar, though. I go to the bar. Ryan Garcia rock, knocks out Duno in like 17 seconds. And like, we missed the entire fight. <laughs> and just trying to get a shot of Patron. I wasn't even going to drink that night. But listen, man, again, entertainers like athletes, like music, like everything else, all these worlds converge together. And I just like to kind of build those bridges for those things. So if you ever see me with like some entertainer or somebody at a fight, it's because they like combat sports, they will shoot the shit with you for hours about combat sports because they don't want to talk about music all day. Exactly. Uh, uh, random note, I used to go do uh, 
relief work in South Africa at these like uh, camps for orphans and at-risk youth. And my camp name that they assigned me was Musa. So shout out to Musa there. Oh, yeah, that's Musa, my I think it means grace. Um, and second, secondly, finally, as we wrap up, what you said is so true. When I was, it's a little harder now at Fightful just because we're primarily known for our pro wrestling coverage. The MMA side is rather small. Uh, but when I was with SB Nation, something I was trying really hard to get off the ground was because I have all these, I've, I have these, uh, I know these publicists, et cetera, from entertainment. And I've been trying to, I was at one point, I was really trying to get musicians, actors to come on and just talk about MMA and boxing. And it's something I, you, we see it from time to time. You know, Dwayne Johnson goes on Ariel Helwani's show, uh, so on and so forth. But it's something I don't think we get enough of. And I'd really like to see those worlds merged a little more. So if I ever have the opportunity or if you ever have the opportunity, anyone else listening ever has the opportunity to help sort of blend those boundaries a little bit. It's something that I personally would. Oh, and uh, uh, Jose Young's of MMA Fighting had Big E on the A-side live chat once to talk about uh, UFC. So oh, I'd really God. love to see more of that. That's how we became friends. Really? Dude, he's the biggest MMA and boxing fan, really big UFC fan, like super big. He's texting me now about this card because he just loves MMA. It's it's crazy what you find out who really likes these sports. Like a lot of people didn't know, and I've been telling you, Dane Lillard, huge boxing fan, huge. And he watches UFC too. But if if we're going to grow these sports, and this includes pro wrestling, we got to show that people have interests outside of just because exactly. of the sport. And there's so many people who are fans that are of all these sports and can intelligently talk about boxing. Because let's be honest, MMA and boxing are the two sports where you can have a party full of people who know shit about what's happening on TV, but will argue with you day and night about why Connor's going to be Khabib. You, these conversations, the barbershop conversations, they're fun to have. But when you can get, you know, like a John Moxley who loves MMA, a Brody Lee who loves MMA, a Big E who loves MMA, you get them in the conversation. Now you bring those worlds together. And we just got to do a little bit more of that. So that's something that I'm always going to try to do. I'm glad you're trying to do the same because we love these sports, but we got to bring it to the, to the masses. Like it's, it's, it's still too niche for me. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Andreas, man, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much uh, to you and to all the guests we've had on before. Everyone's been so generous with their time and they're really experts in their field and super charismatic and interesting. Uh, we really love having guys like you on. Before we let you go here, is there anything that you would like to leave the people with in the live chat and uh, to our many podcast listeners who always forget to give a shout out to? <laughs> well, anybody, everybody, thanks for listening and watching. Um, you can follow me at Andres Hale, obviously. Uh, this Monday, if you're a pro wrestling fan, uh, a lot of people don't know this. We've made this announcement. Uh, I'm launching the Wrestling with Stereotypes podcast uh, with uh, Conrad Thompson as part of the Ad Free Networks. And really? I wow. haven't made this yeah, haven't made this announcement yet, but we recorded our first show yesterday. It comes out on Monday. I'm talking with D'Lo Brown about the Nation of Domination. Hey. So that is our first show. And you can find me there, The Corner Podcast, with my co-host, Kel Dansby from ESPN. Obviously, I work at Sporting News in the Zone. But I, I love this. I love Fightful. Um, tell Sean, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about, the Men in Black soundtrack is trash. And tell him that because he'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I love that dude. I love what you guys are doing. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yes, sir. And I guess we'll, we'll, we'll end on a programming note. Um, I will be making my Fightful Pro Wrestling debut doing the Survivor Series post-show. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I was a lot more excited before I realized that Survivor Series has been bragging rights for the last three years. 
so that's unfortunate. But otherwise, looking forward to it. Sean Ross Sapp will be here the Friday before that to do a little crossover promotion. Uh, I will definitely clip this immediately and tweet and at him for the Men in Black note. Guys, thank you so much for listening, for engaging the chat here. To all our podcast listeners, always amazed by your support and how many downloads we got over there. So thank you guys so much. Uh, Listen, I still don't have a good outro for this. I'm going to stick with the crappy one. Keep up with us for everything fightful and so delightful. (laughs) Peace out, guys.